Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hey everybody, Matt and Duck here, and we're excited to share that we are taking over the Nomad Athlete radio feed for the next eight days straight for our Plant Palooza online festival with Compliment, where May 23rd through 30th, we're dropping new discussions with plant-based doctors, registered dietitians, best-selling authors, weight loss experts, and thought leaders, plus a wide range of resources on the Compliment website. But more than just the content, Plant Palooza is also our biggest sale ever on Compliment's nutrient solutions, superfood greens organic protein powders, and more. Right now, you can get up to 50% off site-wide, including my personal favorites, Compliment Essential, the Multinutrient, Daily Greens, and Hydrate. We've got a little bit of overlap there, Doug. Mine is certainly the Compliment Essential, but then followed closely by Omega Complex and Compliment Protein. Right on. It's all up to 50% off. Compliment products are optimized for plant-based eaters and backed by a 100% 100-day money-back guarantee. Go to lovecompliment.com to take advantage of these offers and to check out all the rest of the content, lovecompliment.com. But don't wait, the sale ends May 30th. And with that, let's get to the interview. Matt Frazier, the Nomad Athlete, a New York Times bestselling author and my dear friend and partner and all things that we do except for life. You're not my life partner. That's the only area that you're not my partner. But this is really exciting, Matt, um, because I've never interviewed you. You've interviewed me a long time ago, right? Am I mistaken? Is that right? I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I did interview, like right after we met each other, I interviewed you. Yeah. And then we've done a couple little recordings since then, but I guess they weren't really interviews. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, congratulations! I mean, we've, done, we've done a lot of things, um, but <laughs> I've never had the pleasure of asking anything. And it's recorded, right? It's like under oath. Now I get to ask you all the things I've always wanted to know. No, I'm kidding. Right. Today, we're going to talk about plant-based diets for athletes. You have been writing on this topic since 2011 with the New York, No Meat Athlete blog. 2009, uh, actually, think- earlier than that. Okay, that's what I was just about to say. Wait, but I thought did I get our birthday wrong? We're gonna have to we're gonna have to fact check my my dates. Yeah. Um, but you've been thinking about this stuff for a long time, and of course, the culmination of that work was with our co-author Robert Cheek putting together the plant-based athlete, which, as I mentioned, reached uh, number four on the New York Times list, and I think has impacted quite a few people as they think about being an athlete, whatever that means to them, uh, a performance-oriented individual, someone who enjoys endurance sports, or just someone who likes to you know, stay fit in the gym. I think today I hope to get to some practical tips and tricks for maybe each of those categories of people. Um, but to start, what conversation about plant-based nutrition in athletics would be complete without protein? Right. And so let's just start there and get it out of the way so that we can move forward with a, you know, without people worrying about how we will treat the protein topic. So um, for once and for all, uh, maybe you can comment on um, how do you think about protein in, in your own athletics and how should athletes or performance oriented individuals think about protein for themselves? Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. It's one that uh, we talk about all the time. It, it gets it gets way too much attention, but it doesn't mean that it deserves no attention. 
there are other nutrients on a plant-based diet that I think are, are more worthy of like making sure that you're getting for, for both, for, especially for long-term health, but, uh, but even for short-term performance. Um, but yeah, I mean, protein shouldn't be ignored as much as it's, you know, kind of a joke, I think among plant-based people that everyone wants to know about protein. Um, my rule of thumb is a little different from what most people do. A lot of people like in the traditional sports world, uh, seem to want a, a number of grams per pound of body weight. Uh, I tend more just to go with like a percentage and of total calories. And, and that's, I think, because I just, in, in the course of my career, not as an athlete, but as a, as a, a blogger podcaster have interviewed and talked to a whole lot of different elite athletes who choose plant-based diets. Many of them choose them for performance reasons, and they always end up in the 12 to 15% of their calories come from protein. Uh, category. So that's actually not that hard to get. Uh, if you weren't concerned about amino acids or anything like that, you know, even something like whole wheat pasta uh, will get you somewhere in that 12% range. So then when you consider that you're also eating lots and lots of other things that contain more protein than that, uh, beans, of course, being a big source, nuts and seeds, another one, um, other whole grains, even fruits and vegetables, vegetables, especially, but uh, you know, they contain a decent amount of protein per calorie. It's not that much uh, in, in terms of total grams of protein that you get from vegetables, but it, it does add up. So uh, it's, it's honestly not that hard to get those kinds of numbers as long as you're thinking about it. I did say that like, you, you do have to think more about amino acids than just that. Um, and pasta also not a great example because uh, wheat protein has a pretty low protein digestibility score. Uh, it's something like 50% or so of, of that amount of protein is actually, you know, being used by your body. And that's one reason why with plant-based diets in general, um, if you're going to go by like the numbers that the government is putting out as what should be your, your ideal amount of protein, um, which I think comes out to around a third of a gram per pound of body weight per day. Uh, you need to add something to that when you to consider to make up for the fact that plant-based foods typically have a lower protein digestibility score than animal foods do. Um, so I would add 10, 15% to that. Um, so maybe aim for, you know, 0.4, 0.5 times your body weight, uh, in grams of protein per day. And, uh, you know, that, that'll get you where you need to be. I think if you're a really serious competitive athlete, like obviously you shouldn't just listen to advice like this. I mean, you want to, you want to dial in your nutrition much more than that. Uh, this is the type of numbers that have worked for me in a, I wouldn't say a competitive athletic career, but one where I've managed to do some, some very difficult goals for myself. Um, in ultra marathon running being one of them qualifying for Boston being another. And like when I was not really a natural runner or anything. So in order to get there, I had to really dial that stuff in. Um, so anyway, I think that's a, that's a partial answer to the protein question. We didn't really talk about amino acids. I just mentioned it briefly that, uh, you know, if you were to only eat pasta, for example, that's not going to give you a nice, good, complete amino acid profile. Uh, you do want to get all the nine essential amino acids. They're called essential because your body doesn't make them. You need to get them from your food. Uh, a lot of animal products are complete proteins on their own. Not that many plant-based products are. Uh, soy is one exception to that. Soy is a complete protein by itself. You can also get blends to complete that amino acid profile. Um, so it's, it's not hard to do. The other thing is you probably don't need to be completing getting a complete protein source in any one meal, your body will pull those amino acids. Uh, so over the course of the day, as long as you're getting a variety of different foods in your diet, um, you know, you don't need to get all those amino acids at one time. Uh, but like I said, you wouldn't want to just get protein from pasta, for example, that wouldn't be a, a great idea. Yeah. We learned a lot about that as we were designing the complement 
protein, the PDCAS score. And I always thought it was interesting that score being, you know, kind of the, the scientific measure of absorbability and uh, that milk is the most absorbable protein. It makes sense that nature created this thing at a moment when your digestive tract maybe isn't uh, functioning at its highest level. And like, you need to absorb a lot of that protein. And then you go down the list and my number one recommendation for folks is uh, if they're really trying to gain weight or focus on recovery is add beans to your smoothie. Um, I actually got that from one of our mutual friends, the bodybuilder, but uh, I've been doing that for the last five, six months. And it, it, it makes a difference, especially if you're tracking macros. So um, just depend on the beans. It can sometimes backfire. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know I know people do that with white beans. If you're not ready for beans, you can also do, do silken tofu, which is like somehow more palatable than the idea of putting whole beans into your smoothie. You won't be getting the same amount of nutrition, of course, because you know beans are, are great foods. And when you can put a whole bean into your smoothie, that's a great thing to do for other reasons besides protein. Um, right. But you know, if, if it's if you just want to get the the, the protein and, and some other good nutrition too. Tofu is certainly a health food in my book. Um, you could add silken tofu and that, you know, it'll thicken your smoothie a little bit, give it a different texture, but it's not, maybe not as gross or, or as uh, I shouldn't say gross. Maybe not as, it's not as bold as putting a can of white beans into your smoothie. Um, I have actually at this point tried almost every type of bean on the aisle um, from, from the chickpea all the way to the black soybean, uh, which mm-hmm. I've, and I, you know, depends on what else you're putting in there. If there's enough fruit, you can mask it, but it, it changes the <laughs> changes the smoothie for sure. Um, while we are on the macro topic, uh, macronutrient topic, um, what are your thoughts on on supplements? And let's let's uh, do ourselves in our our community a favor and not talk about the missing supplements that you may want to complement your diet with, but specifically thinking about um, a plant-based athlete, what, what additional considerations do those individuals need to, to take in terms of non-food nutrients that they may look at? I mean, protein, when you talk about macronutrients, we talked about protein. Oh, so macro, all micro roots, oh, micro as well. Any, okay. Anything. Yeah. 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 Just, to, okay. to think, gotcha. I guess to stay on the reductionistic area, I shouldn't have talked to. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, like, some people take a carbohydrate supplement. They they get their sports. When, you know, if you drink a sports drink, in a way, you're you're getting a carbohydrate supplement and probably an electrolyte supplement as well. Uh, some people do that. Sometimes protein is in that sports drink, um, but I don't think most people need to be doing that. Uh, especially you know, just supplementing with carbohydrate in general. Uh, you can get like, like for example, a post workout, great time when you need or really will benefit from, from getting some carbohydrate into your system to put the glycogen back into your muscles that you drained during a tough workout or a long workout. Um, so that would be the time when someone might take, you know, a carbohydrate post-workout drink. Uh, I just don't think you need it. I mean, you can, you can eat some bananas and you can get those carbohydrates. You can eat a bowl of white rice, which is what I like to do after a workout. Cause somehow I always crave that salty, you know, simple carbohydrate. Um, you can do that, you know, bread is fine. Other fruits, you know, any of those things could work after a workout and, and for all, but like the most elite athletes who are really careful about their diet, um, and want only exactly what they're going after and nothing else. All those suggestions would be, would be fine. If you're like a casual type of athlete who just wants to 
you know, do what helps your body, but isn't uh, all that stressful. You know, all the suggestions that I said would, would work perfectly well. Um, you know, some athletes will want to supplement with a, with extra oils. You, you see flaxseed oil being something that people take. I used to put that in smoothies all the time. Uh, just depends on, on goals for me, muscle growth, like trying to pack in calories, then that'd be good. And really for me, like that's the other use of just sticking to the macronutrients right now. And I will get into some other stuff. Um, people ask about these individual things like protein, carbohydrate, and fat for me, an athlete really like the thing that is the quote unquote limiting factor is just number of calories. Because unlike a whole lot of people in the population who are doing their exercise to, to lose weight and they don't necessarily want to replace all those calories, uh, athletes actually want to keep those calories up usually because usually they're at a, a weight that they're happy with and they're doing a whole lot of work. So when they go plant-based and they you know are suddenly by default down 30% in terms of calories for a given level of like satiety, right? They eat the what feels like the same amount, but they are eating whatever, 25, 30% less calories, they need to actually make an effort usually to, to keep that calorie count up. Uh, that might be mitigated a little bit by the fact that the nutrients you're the food you're taking in on a healthy plant-based diet are higher in nutrients than what you were eating before, hopefully. Um, and in that case, maybe you don't need to replace all of the lost calories, but in general calories is kind of the, the thing to make sure you're getting up rather than any of the, the nutrients. So like most of my kids play sports, my son, especially is very, very active, uh, trains every single day for his team and by himself and game. So he's just burning a ton of calories. He's eating a plant-based diet, a mostly whole food plant-based diet. So our number one concern with him is making sure he eats all the time. So like we have to remind him to eat more often than he even thinks about it himself. Uh, so like, you know, any, so for him, like we'll do a meal replacement kind of, kind of supplement. And that, that speaks to my point. Like just, it doesn't matter what the calories are to me. It's, it's just getting those calories in. Uh, some people might differ. Some people might aim for specific nutrient mixes, but I tend to think that, that, you know, with the, with a good, well-rounded diet, uh, you're going to end up somewhere in, in this range. It works for athletes that 15% protein, maybe 60, 65% carbohydrate, and then the rest fat. Um, as far as other supplements, you know, people take things like branch chain amino acids. Um, I don't love that to me. Like once you start putting that stuff into your system, like I think that's one of the great things of going plant-based, you eliminate a lot of the troubles that happen with animal proteins or are thought to happen with animal proteins as far as long-term health goes. Um, insulin-like growth factor one is something that is, that is uh, you know, that, that kind of, it is stimulated, the production of it by complete proteins, complete animal proteins. Uh, so when you start trying to replicate that with a plant-based diet by taking in all these extra amino acids, it just, it just worries me a little bit enough that I don't really ever want to, like no amount of sports performance is worth that, uh, whatever health risk there might be to that. Uh, I just, you know, I, I want to get the benefits of a plant-based diet, which is proven time and time again, to be so great for long-term health, uh, that I don't, I don't mess around with that kind of stuff. Um, Others, I mean, I, I do like creatine. Creatine is a good supplement. I think it's been studied very well. It's one of the most studied uh, supplements that there are. And you hear sort of anecdotal stories about people that creatine did things to, but any science on it, uh, it, it appears to be totally safe. So you got to follow the guidelines. You don't want to take too much. You can have some GI issues and other problems. Uh, but if you if you follow the instructions, for me, it's it's a great supplement. I mean, all, it helps you build muscle. It, if you're trying to put on some weight, and as I mentioned, with some some people eating plant-based diets, that can be an issue. Uh, 
I just think it's really good. I mean, even just for mentally, like to, to know, like when I start a workout program that I'm going to quickly pick up five or seven pounds just by supplementing with creatine, most of which is water weight, uh, but it'll help you build extra muscle. I don't know. I, I just have found it to be a really helpful supplement every time I've gotten into, especially into weight training, uh, less so for endurance training, but I find it to be one that uh, I keep going back to. Yeah, I you're right. It It has a psychological effect as well, not just in the sense that I think there there's a fair amount of science that points to its, you know, function in the brain, um, but also just the boost you get when like you look bigger, more muscular, right? And uh and that makes it easier to go back to the gym day after day if you're if you're starting a new program. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm a fan. I, I don't recommend, you know, the massive loading phases like you would see in a in a uh you know bodybuilding type forum online but super low dose just you know to to give you that added benefit um yeah i am I'm, I'm a fan too although i drink a tremendous amount of water generally and whenever i'm on creatine which is usually for a few days at a time and only a handful of since i've used it i have to drink so much water and i still get headaches and that's why i can't ever do prolonged uh regimen with creatine mm. but otherwise I'm yeah I mean, as well it's good it's you should take water with it it's, that's a good thing but the what you mentioned about brain health i mean that's a that's a great thing it's, it's limited data that shows this but but people who eat vegetarian and vegan diets when they take creatine their cognitive performance improves on like memory tests and things like that and like i said limited data showing that but it there is a this does seem to be an effect there and, you know, it's it, not going to say we're deficient in creatine when we're going on a plant-based diet, but that is something you get much less of when you go on a plant-based diet. So uh, perhaps it is a good thing to have more of it in your system than, uh, than you have on a, on a strictly whole food plant-based diet. So I think it's good for that. And then even people like for like heart health, like some homocysteine type stuff, people are, are taking very small amounts of creatine. Uh, so, you know... A lot of, a lot of things happen with it and, yeah. and it's not all these anecdotal bad stories you hear. Uh, and the last thing yeah. is, um, you mentioned loading. You, you don't have to load at all. I mean, you can, you, you will get the results faster if you load, but you know, two months down the road, you'll be in exactly the same position you are as if you didn't do the loading phase. Uh, that's been, that's been research and show. So you, you don't need to load and that, that can cause extra GI distress and stuff too. So good, yeah. good practice not to probably. Um, by the way, this is a genuine question. Is there any plant source of creatine? Well, I mean, it's a vegan product because it's it's made in labs, right? So it's, you don't have to worry about that. I think perhaps you right. can get animal sources if you really want it. Uh, but what's out there in, in most health sources is not. I don't know about that. That's a good question. I don't know if plants produce it or if it's yeah. only lab produced besides animals. I, 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 think, I think it's only synthetic unless you have an animal-based source and i meant that more so just thinking about it. is there a whole food i don't believe it 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 comes in plant form um but i could be wrong and we'll have to yeah i mean the animals that. have to get it from somewhere so i don't know where they would get it uh unless unless they're especially good at concentrating it or something i, I don't know or producing yeah. it. i mean it's amino acids so maybe they okay. produce it in humans still right they well, don't know everything before before this is uh, turns into a deep dive into creatine, um, let, let's back out a little bit more. And um, I'm curious, what does your regimen look like? Because I mean, you look great, but as you approach 60, you know, I know you're you're tapering off. You're running. I'm kidding. Um, 
Yeah. But uh <laughs> I know. Um, I've been making that joke all week. Anyone who's watched all these videos, um, I would say like, I'm actually 72. I just look really good because of the plant-based diet, right? Um, so, but no, seriously, how do you think about recovery? How's your body changed? Because as you said, I, I think you qualified for Boston, what, back 2012, 2011, kind of? I saw that uh, date. 2009, the year I started the blog. And then my son was born on the Boston Marathon day, or his due date was the Boston Marathon day. So I had to defer a year. And I uh, I infamously put out a blog post that April Fool's Day saying I was going to run the Boston Marathon and skip my baby's birth. And uh, the follower <laughs> went down fast. It really actually did. Like you could see a visible drop. And, and uh, you know, it did eventually recover, but it was it was shocking. That is really funny. People, you know, people can't take a joke, but... Um... Maybe they didn't know it was a joke. Uh, tell me though, um, so that's 10 years you've been doing ultra and marathons. I know you, you're continuing to run. You had a brief kettlebell uh, fascination there. Maybe that's continued, but how do you I'm think I'm into about... barbell training now. I got, I got a nice barbells. squat rack. Yeah. Okay. No more kettlebells, barbells. But no, I still do, do kettlebells, do... but it's just not my focus. Well, well, give us a full give us a full rundown. What are you thinking about? And how has your approach to training changed? As you know, those of us as we you know approach forty, get into our forties and beyond. Obviously, our priorities probably shift into injury prevention, more functional strength, right? Um, and think about recovery a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean that's exactly right. First of all, the you mentioned the qualifying for Boston. Um, that happened six months after I started eating a vegetarian diet. It wasn't yet vegan. Uh, and as I went into a vegan diet, that's when I started doing ultra running and did a bunch of 50, several 50 milers and a hundred miler. Um, and a hundred miler was done completely vegan. So I didn't choose this diet knowing that it was going to help me with my recovery. That wasn't really the point. I, I thought it was a long-term health choice and an animal, uh, welfare choice. I just didn't want to eat animals anymore. Uh, so when I, when I thought that, or when, when I made the decision, I kind of thought that I was giving up on the Boston dream. And I started this blog about the process just to, you know, document kind of how it went. Um, so it was a great surprise to me when everything started working really well. And I was able to have the best training summer of my life without getting hurt, uh, harder workouts than I ever had before and repeated workouts. That, that's the thing is that like with, with running, you do, you know, 10 good hard workouts in a row three, four weeks feels like things are going great. And then it turns out there's an injury right around the corner when that happens. This was the first time like that injury never came. And, you know, just one person saying that doesn't mean a whole lot. Anyone could have a, a lucky summer where you just don't get injured. But when I talk to these plant-based athletes, time and time again, they cite recovery, faster recovery as the reason that the mechanism by which this benefits them. Uh, people ask a lot, like, why would a plant-based diet help you? There's a couple of different reasons. But the faster recovery is the one that just about everybody talks about. Kind of makes sense given the anti-inflammatory uh, properties of so many plant-based foods and the pro-inflammatory properties of so many animal-based foods, uh, antioxidant-rich foods, and all these fresh whole foods that I started eating. Even when I was still vegetarian, I just started adding these things to my diet. So instead of you know chicken breast and brown rice being my dinner, it was all kinds of different things where I'd go to the farmer's market, find something or uh, go to a Thai restaurant, just foods that I was not eating before and lots and lots of vegetables. So 
if you're eating a plant-based diet, that's, that's to me, the number one thing you can be doing for recovery as you get older, but even as you're younger, it's not, there's no trade-off here. It's just, it's just a great choice uh, for recovery. I guess for me, like, as I've gotten older, the emphasis has certainly shifted away from wanting to do competitive events, even, even like the, I don't know, difficult, painful events of like of running like that. I, I'm just not that interested in doing that right now. I feel like there's enough going on with my life uh, that I just don't need that extra thing. So, so it's become exercise is more of a thing I do to stay in shape so that I can keep mobility and keep strength and keep the ability to do stuff. Uh, mobility, definitely a bigger part than it used to be for sure. Um, I do like, you know, all kinds of different mobility work, not just static stretching, but foam rolling type stuff. Uh, the, the Theragun, you know, whatever that's compressing, com, uh, percussive, uh, massage thing, you know, it's just very comfortable, nice little thing to do. Um, I don't know. I mean, just like, it's just, it's just a much bigger emphasis. So, and so my training nowadays, uh, I would say is a gentler form. I've, I've learned that it's not all about going hard all the time. Uh, when I train barbell training now, and even with kettlebells, like I never, ever trained to failure. And that's a huge difference from the way I used to do. Uh, and I think it's better. I think it's better even for young athletes. Not, maybe not someone who's trying to absolutely peak and get to the very best they can be for a two-year period at something. Um, but you know, training not to failure is so much easier on your body and so much nicer and the injuries go down. Uh, so like I'll often do like a, a workup where I'll do the same thing every day for 20 or 40 days in a row, the same set of things, like two sets of five exercise or, or two sets of five of five different exercises. So 10 sets per day means over the course of a week, if you can make that easy enough that you can do it every day of the week, then you're getting what that's, uh, I said, I think it's 10 sets a day. You're getting 50 sets a day in of, of five reps, uh, or sorry, 50 sets a week in of five reps. And that's, that's serious practice at that skill. I mean, your body gets good at doing that stuff, even if you're only at you know, 60 to 70 to 80% of what you might be able to do that day if you were going all out. Um, so I've really just found joy in, in fitness again, because of being okay with just like not going all out every single time. Uh, and it's funny, that's like, I've learned that lesson so many times and I have to relearn it over and over. Um, but when I started running and thought I was going to qualify for the Boston marathon on my first try ever, like as a brand new runner signing up for a marathon, I thought I was going to qualify for Boston. Turned out I was wrong. I missed it by a hundred minutes. I mean, just awful performance compared to what I thought I could do. Uh, and it set me off on this seven year journey that like turned out to be this greatest mistake of my life, missing my projected finish time by that much. But the first step of that, what I had to learn was like, you don't get, you don't run a marathon by running hard every day, five, five days a week. There's no way you'll make it through the 18 week program. I mean, you just, you just won't, you'll get injured. And so it took me a while to realize that like 80% of your running training should be at a, at a pace that is so comfortable. You can come home with more energy than you left with, and you're never going above a conversational pace. Uh, so like exercise can actually be pleasant for most of the time that you're doing it. And that, that is not the the message I got as a kid when I was thinking about running. So every time I discover that and rediscover that, it's like a great reminder. And then kind of sets me off on a, on a fitness push again. Cause I'm like, wow, like this can actually be fun. It doesn't have to have to just be painful and have me being injured and sore all the time. And speaking of non-food and non-activity related recovery, I guess that's not really the best way to introduce it. Um, have you gotten into fasting, uh, cold plunges? You mentioned percussive devices like Theragun or what's the other one, Hypervolt. Um, 
no affiliation for us, but but I also uh, enjoy that. Uh, have you gotten into any of that? Any recommendations for, for athletes on recovery? Uh, I mean, ice baths were always helpful to me when I was serious into marathon and ultra marathon training. I don't know too much about the science behind them. I think it's mixed as to whether it really should be effective or not. Um, I don't know that much about any of the high-tech stuff, but one that is not high-tech that you didn't mention that doesn't count as food or, uh, I think you said exercise, is uh, is sleep, right? Sleep is so, so important. And I mean, it, it's besides food, maybe it's the most important. I don't know, but it, it's up there. Uh, and many, many people neglect, neglect sleep or or tolerate very poor sleep. Uh, which I have done for a lot of my adult years, just have not been a good sleeper. So that's that's been a great focus of mine. Uh, not just sleep hygiene, which is kind of like the getting, making sure the temperature in the room is below 70 degrees, which is seems a little uncomfortable, but uh, that's apparently how you sleep best. Uh, making sure there's no light coming into your room, making sure there aren't screens in your room and you're not on the screens in your bed. Um, you know, that the basic sleep hygiene stuff. But then I think, I'm thinking on the name of it. It's Dr. Greger has this, or he talks about the concept that it's more like sleep uh, habituation, basically, and making sure that you don't go to bed until you're actually tired and kind of aligning your your day and making it so that when you go to bed, like you actually are tired. Because for me, that's been a huge problem. I just, I wake up at two or 3 a.m. and I'm up for, you know, two, three hours and just can't sleep. So, um, you know, I, 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 there's a lot to go into there. Uh, Dr. Greger in his book, In How Not to Diet, he has a has a nice uh, big section about that kind of stuff if you're interested in seeing more. I think he even has some blog posts about that. So if you if you check out nutritionfacts.org and Google you know, sleep within that, uh, you'll find some good info. Uh, but yeah, sleep, super important. Plant-based diet helps with that, of course. So does lots and lots of good other lifestyle practices, probably the same ones that help with recovery in other ways, uh, will tend to, to help you sleep well. I'm sure the ice and the heat and all these things... Uh, will be good for that. But no, I don't, I don't have really any crazy, I don't do cryotherapy or anything like that. We never done cryotherapy. I don't think I've ever done it. No, no I have compression either. shorts no. and socks that I sometimes wear around. They look goofy. The kids make fun of me when I wear that around the house. I've got my, my fair share of, of things I've been made fun of, um, including TGMs today. So, um, <laughs> Awesome. And uh, how about um, kids sports nutrition? So you mentioned making sure that your son has adequate protein. Any text around that? Because I know that's a focus area for you. Um, I mean, peanut butter is a great hack for everything, right? You can always always get more calories by getting peanut butter. You can eat peanut butter by the spoonful. You can do what I used to do in college when I was trying to put on weight, even not as a non-vegan. Uh, I would set an alarm to get up at like one or 2 a.m. Maybe this is why I have the sleep problems now. Uh, <laughs> make a peanut butter sandwich and eat that just so I can get one more meal in. Uh, if you're trying to get extra calories, for me, the easiest way to get them is not to try to eat more at every single meal, but rather eat as soon as you wake up and eat last thing before bed. And there's, you know, this may be contrary to other health advice, right? Intermittent fasting would not uh, would not suggest you eat right when you get up or right when you go to bed. Uh, so, you know, different different goals here, but- for me, that's the easiest way to add 700 calories to your day. Just make sure you get an extra meal slash snack right when you wake up and right when you go to bed. Um, and in general, with the plant-based diet, the same kind of theme applies, which is just eat more frequently. I mentioned earlier people who, who athletes especially, who lose a bunch of calories right away. And they, a lot of people think a plant-based diet didn't work for them because they try it for a month and they're like, man, I didn't have any energy. 
Um, and after a few weeks, started to feel just really feel that. And then you ask, and it turns out they never actually replaced those lost calories. They just started eating a plant-based diet, and there was a bunch of salads, which is wonderful. But you also have to get those calories. So um, the trick for me with that, because if you're eating a good plant-based diet, those foods are going to digest very quickly. Uh, they're typically not very calorically dense. They are nutrient dense, so that's great. But because they're not calorically dense, you will feel kind of full. And if you're used to eating a different way, it feels the same like you're full. But then an hour, an hour and a half later, you're not full anymore. And that's not the case with the standard American diet, for sure, or a lot of other even animal-based healthy diets, perhaps. Um, you know, you just don't digest those foods as fast as you do plant-based ones when they are whole and fresh and good. There are exceptions, obviously. Uh, so you just need to plan more meals, have more snacks. Again, this isn't like, this isn't weight loss advice. I know there's different advice in, in those areas. Uh, but if you're trying to get more calories, that's that's certainly a way to do it. Um, also with kids, this is not strictly a sports thing, but I am really careful. I want to make sure those kids are getting everything they need. Like for me, I'd be okay if I was, turns out 10 years from now, I should have been having something else or, or whatever. I made a health mistake. I, I can live with that. I can't really live with having the kids make a health mistake. Uh, so I am careful to make sure they get what they need. That's for a long time, been B12, D, DHA, and EPA. They took complement, the liquid form. Um, they also now take the omega complex because omega threes are, uh, you know, definitely at a at a premium in in plant based foods. Uh, so they take that. That's with algae. These, of course, are our products. So just no, uh, no. I mean, full disclosure here. Uh, those are important. And then calcium. I think a lot about calcium for for growth for an athlete, where you do want to do everything you can to maximize growth. Some vegan, some studies have shown vegan children. Uh, growing about an inch shorter than non-vegan children. Uh, I've seen some problems with that study as well, but uh, that, that's it's out there. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern. I want to make sure that they do get that. So like when we make smoothies, we will use almond milk, which is fortified with calcium uh, to make sure that just a little extra boost here and there. Uh, so, you know, that's it's a minor thing, but uh, that's, I think that's it. I mean, not too many hacks. Like I said, it's, it's with kids, it's so much about getting them to eat the food that they should be eating for their goals. And it, it doesn't always work out like anything. I, I once I made a whole meal plan for my son, figured out all the meals he liked and how many calories each of them were. So we had this, like, he could just plug and play basically and pick the six, 500 calorie meals he wanted in a day. Maybe it was, they weren't that big because he wasn't eating 3000 calories in a day when he was seven or whatever. But I, I had this great system for him and I was like, this is good. This is perfect. It's problem solved. And then he just didn't do it. He just didn't do any of it. Didn't he just completely ignored it. Like ate whatever he wanted. And I realized like, wow, kids just aren't, they're, they're not ready for that just yet. Um, so that's the real challenge is getting the kids to eat the healthy food. And there's so many different strategies, I'm sure. Well, I don't know, but many, many other people have gone into uh, how do you get the kids to eat healthy? And, uh, and you know, no, no great tricks. It's, it's about talking to them and making sure they keep trying things. Uh, yeah, that's, that's really it. And as we run out of time, um... Uh, what is your quick recommendation for folks who uh, have never uh, done any barbell training, never played with kettlebells, never started running, but maybe they have some interest? Any inspiring words for, for developing a new habit that can be hard at first, but then addictive as it goes on? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much research in the habit change area. Uh with barbell training, maybe it's a little hard just to jump in, but certainly I can talk about running as an example. And then there's certainly an analog you can figure out with, uh, with other types of training. 
but yeah, I mean, so many people, they think that the way to change is like you see in the movies, a, a light, a switch goes off and suddenly the person is forever different because of some event that happened. And then it's just easy to do whatever, you know, go train half an hour, hour a day, whatever. Uh, almost nobody actually changes that way. Uh, pretty much everyone, not quite everyone, but most people um, do much, much better with a very gradual type of training. If you think of the willpower, willpower, you know, as a muscle, like a muscle, something that can definitely be burned out if you ask too much of it, um, but does get stronger if you ask just a little bit more of it all the time. Uh, that's a really nice model, uh, even if it's not, you know, 100% accurate. Uh, so I think to me, like, I don't know, like if you want to start running, but you just never seem to, then first thing to do is lower your standard of what you, what in your head is start running. Uh, and if it's go out for 20 minutes a day, make that into go out for five minutes a day. And if, if a week into that you're, you find yourself procrastinating on it, make, make it two minutes a day. You can even go as far as like, put your shoes on and get out the door and shut it behind you. And like, that's success. If you want it to be most times, you're still going to go do something, which is good. But like, just, just like if you have to write something, right. It's sit down and write one sentence, because once you're doing that, you're probably going to do some more. Uh, but really, if you just, if literally all you did was go out your door with the shoes on, ready to go and walk to the end of your driveway, like at least that is something. And as you repeat that process, seven days a week, five days a week, whatever you have told yourself, you can start to um, break this pattern of like not keeping promises to yourself, which really when people fail to change their habits, that's what it feels like is that we told ourselves we would do something and then we failed. We, we kind of broke the promise to ourselves and those things add up. And once you get to become an adult, uh, it's easy to believe that you don't keep the promises you make to yourself and that you're just not someone who that works for or who does that. Uh, and that's not a good thing, but you can start to change it by doing the smallest little task that you said you were going to do uh, and repeating that. And then once you've done once you've done that for a week, then then go two minutes a day. And then once that's working and you haven't missed, go five minutes a day and gradually add time that way. Uh, you won't see physical results happening quickly at all. That's the drawback. You have to be patient. Um, but the benefit here is that two months in what you're going strong and you're excited every week at what, you know, now you get to add some more, uh, versus someone who maybe went out the gate really hard, but, but three weeks in they're done because, you know, their friends called and they were at happy hour. And it just, that's what happens with those perfectionism approaches to changes is one day the, the dam breaks and then, then it's done. So, uh, yeah. I and mean, that's, that's kind of it. And when you fail, just get back on the, get back as soon as you can try it a different way. Try something different. Uh, if, if that didn't work. Perfect. Well, as we have folks joining for our next call, I will wrap up beautiful sentiments to end on just do a little bit more each day. Um, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate your time this afternoon. My pleasure. Thank you.